Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. How's it going, Red Sox fans? How you doing? Welcome to episode eight of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Hope everyone is having a great start to their day. Hello, hello, everyone. How are we doing? Seeing 30 people here in the chat on the live stream on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you're listening, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, welcome, welcome aboard uh, for episode eight of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. Big series of the Blue Jays. Uh, not exactly how I wanted it to go. I have some thoughts on that. I'm going to talk about the upcoming series with the Chicago Cubs. We're going to talk some trade proposals from one of my favorite guys out there, Jim Bowden. I, I'm, I say that with a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, we're going to go over some trade proposals from him uh, for some ideas that he thinks could help improve the Red Sox. We'll, we'll take a look into those. Uh, we're going to talk about some prospects here in this episode, and uh, we're just going to have a good old time, but welcome to episode eight. Before I do get started, I just want to go over today's sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, NFL, and more. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, also, don't forget, we are partners with SeatGeek. Use my code HIDE, $20 off your first purchase. And don't forget about prize picks. If you're into the sports betting game, like Bet Online, and if you're maybe a little tired of FanDuel, DraftKings, go give prize picks a chance. Uh, they have a pretty fun system over there. Use my code GINGER. You'll get a 100% deposit match. Also, everyone, uh, if you are listening to this on wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast, whether that's Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple. If you can, leave me a review. Uh, a five-star rating would be nice as well. Uh, that really helps get the podcast out there into the algorithm. So if you could do that, that would be uh, such an amazing thing. Please, please, please. Um, and also everyone here on YouTube, if you can, hit the like button for me. If you are new, subscribe to the channel. We got a lot of baseball coming up here in the next month. Uh, we're about to get into July, last day of June. You know how July is. Busy time, a lot of trade rumors, a lot of baseball. We're going to get into all of it. Also, don't forget, on my channel on YouTube, me and John Bitzer of Baseball Trade Values just did our first episode of MLB Trade Talks. Uh, go check that out. If you weren't able to catch it last night, we dove into a lot of top trade candidates for this coming uh, for this year's coming trade deadline. So please go give that a watch. There's a lot of valuable information in that. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Um, and speaking of baseball trade values, the best baseball trade simulator out there. Don't even argue with me. It is the best one out there. Go check it out. It's an awesome system. John put a lot of work into that simulator, so please go check that out as well. Uh, Alrighty, everyone. Let's get into this Toronto Blue Jays series. I got a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, it did not start off all that great. Let's get into game one here. Just going to do a quick recap of, of each game. Uh, Blue Jays winning this one 7-2. Honestly, this one felt like it was just over by the third inning. I really don't have a lot to say about this one. Uh, Connor Seabold making his first start of the year. Uh, he did not fare very hot in this one, but I will commend him. He was able to get into the fifth inning, which I found a bit surprising. The, uh, he went deeper than I thought he would. I think he ended up throwing around 86 pitches in this one, but overall, four and two thirds, nine hits, seven runs, three home runs. I mean, come on. It's not even fair that you got to make your first start 
against the Toronto Blue Jays and this offense, one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball this year. I mean, good grief. I mean, could you imagine having to make your Major League debut against this offense? I mean, my goodness, you couldn't help him out. Maybe, you know, wait until the Cubs series, you know, maybe have him go against a, a lesser offense in the Chicago Cubs. Come on now. Uh, but Seabold, I mean, you can only do so much with this offense in your Major League debut, giving up three home runs to George Springer, Vlad Jr., Matt Chapman. Um, again, not a whole lot to say here. The, the takeaways for Connor Seabold, I did see some positives in Connor Seabold. Like I said, he went deeper than I thought he would, you know, considering – he had given up so many runs, uh, but I will say this, his changeup looked really good. That changeup actually had a lot of movement to it, 39 and a half inches of drop on the changeup, which actually ranks 19th in Major League Baseball this year in vertical movement. The horizontal movement on that changeup also had 17.3 inches of movement, which actually ranks 23rd among all changeups. So, Connor Seabold there's a promise there. He's not going to be a big velocity guy. He was kind of throwing anywhere from 92, 94. Not a whole lot of velocity, but this is a guy, if he can work on just location a little bit more, my goodness, he could have a future in this league. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe even add a little velocity down the road. You're starting to see a lot of pictures today where they're able to add a couple miles an hour of velocity onto their fastballs. So we'll have to wait and see. But Connor Seabold, there is some promise there. Again, the stat line does not look good, but I did see some positives. Uh, but as for Kevin Gosman on the other side, my goodness, Kevin Gosman, I don't know what it is, but the Red Sox just cannot figure this guy out. The first few pitches of the game, I just knew we were in trouble. This guy's fastball was just electric. Everything was just looking so good out of his hand. It, he, Kevin Gosman is just stupid against the Red Sox. Uh, he went seven innings in this one, gave up three hits. He struck out 10. My goodness, he is well worth all of that money he is getting paid. Uh, against the Red Sox this year, that was his third start. He's gone 21 innings total, 27 strikeouts only one earned against the Red Sox this year. That's just mind-boggling. you got to be kidding me. Um, no Jaron Duran in this series, so we did see Rob Refsnyder lead off. I'm going to talk more about him in a little bit. He did go 0 for 4 out of the leadoff spot here. But one guy I will be also talking about in a little bit, Alex Verdugo. He kept on hitting in this one. He went 2 for 4 in this game, brought his average up to 260. Christian Vasquez, I'll talk about him as well soon. He went two for four in this one. He brought his batting average up to 286 in this one. Christian Vasquez quietly having a pretty nice year at the plate. Got to give it up for Christian Vasquez. And honestly, the bullpen looked really good in this one. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this bullpen in just a little bit. Don't you worry. But the bullpen, my goodness. They did look really good here in relief of Connor Seabold, Danish, Davis, Salamora, even Hansel freaking Robles, and I will talk about him in just a little bit. Uh, they all had scoreless appearances in this one, but this game was pretty much over by the fifth inning. Honestly, it fell over in the third inning, just the way Gosman was throwing. Uh, I just knew, you know, I, I actually started clicking out of this one. I, I was turning on other channels. I was watching some other stuff. I was on YouTube watching some stuff. I wasn't really into this game. I was into it for the first few innings. I wanted to see how Seabold would do, but I just knew how this game was going to go right from the get-go. Uh, so I'd pretty much already given up on this one. Let's get into game two. This is the the talk of the town, or this was the talk of the town uh, in Boston. Every A lot of people had a lot to say about this one, uh, and I did as well. But let's kind of break this down. Let's get into it from the beginning. We had Waka going for the Red Sox in this one against Ross Stripling in the preview of this series. I talked about how Ross Stripling, very underrated, and he looked very good in this one. Ross Stripling, he went five innings, gave up five hits, two earned. He did give up a home run, uh, but Waka, you know, similar results. Uh, maybe uh, you could say Stripling did a little better in this one. Five innings for Waka, he gave up four. Uh, in the end, it ended up being no decisions for both of them. It really came down to the bullpens in the end. Uh, but just kind of going over the scoring here, the Blue Jays, they jumped out to a 3-0 lead thanks to a double from Teoscar Hernandez and Matt Chapman in the first. Trevor Story answered with a home run to get the Red Sox on the board in the second. But talked about Rob Refsnyder. In the leadoff spot in game one, he had the leadoff spot again here. He did a lot better in this game. RBI ground out in the fifth. That ended up making it 4-2. to two. And then a two-run shot 
to tie it at four in the seventh. Big home run from Rob Refsnyder. I really love what he's doing. I'm sorry, Jackie Bradley Jr. It's I, I, I've been listening to some other podcasts out there, and I'm thinking, how do you not understand this? You know, I, I'm, I've listened to a couple other ones over the monster. I was listening to their podcast, and you know, one of the guys on there is saying, you know. Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be the fourth outfielder. How the heck do you keep Jackie? So if you're going to have Jaron Duran, Alex Verdugo, and when Kike comes back, you're going to have Jackie Bradley Jr., another left-handed bat? I mean, I understand the defense with Jackie Bradley Jr. That was their point that they were getting at is because he has such a good glove. But Rob Refsnyder is playing some great defense. I don't see how you keep Jackie Bradley Jr. on this team with the way Refsnyder is performing. I don't see when Kike comes back. I don't see it. I don't see how you keep JBJ around. Um, maybe he'll maybe he'll accept an assignment down in Worcester. I don't know. Um, but in, honestly, the way I'm seeing it, man, I mean, Ref Snyder's hitting 368 during his short time with the Red Sox. He is proving to be a very key piece. I'm sorry, but if you're going to have Duran in this lineup. You're going to have Verdugo and Duran as your lefties, and then you're going to have Bradley as a lefty on the bench. That's not going to work, my friend. you got to have a righty and Rob Refsnyder on the bench, and he is proving that he belongs. Um, I think Refsnyder needs to stay, but he had a great game here, tying it up at four in the seventh inning. Into the uh, eighth inning, Christian Vasquez, just mentioned him earlier, had the go-ahead hit. It looked like that was going to be the game-winning hit. It was a 5-4 game at this point, looking good. But this is where we saw a lot of people start to freak out. And this is where I started to freak out, too. And actually, in the seventh, when John Schreiber came in, I'm thinking in my head, okay, well, I thought Schreiber was going to be the guy for the end of the game. Even Cora had said that before the series. So why is Schreiber coming in now? I understand why John Schreiber came in at this point in time, because you had Vlad Jr. come in uh, or come up to bat. So I understand you want to bring in a big guy in John Schreiber who's having an amazing year. I understand wanting to bring him into the game at that point because I understand that you have to get to the ninth inning. But I'm sorry, ninth inning on the road in Toronto, one-run game with that offense and that crowd? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. This is where it comes to a point where there's analytics and then there's just having a feel for the game. And I'm sorry, but Cora, you really screwed the pooch on this one. I don't think Schreiber should have came in for the seventh. And even if you did want to bring in Schreiber for the seventh, I'm okay with that. But why didn't Matt Strom come in at the end of this game? And let let, let me actually just get into that here. So uh, Schreiber came in for the seventh, had a good inning. Uh, Tyler Danish, he came in for the eighth, good inning there. But then he came out again for the ninth. And I'm thinking, why didn't you just have Tyler Danish come out for the seventh inning? And then have him go the eighth inning. If you wanted to get two innings out of Tyler Danish, why not just bring him in for the seventh and the eighth and then save Schreiber for the ninth? I understand, again, Vlad Jr. coming up, one of the best hitters in baseball. I understand you want to bring in your big gun, John Schreiber, with no Tanner Houck here. I get it. I understand it. But why can't you just have Danish go up against Vlad Jr.? Danish isn't having a bad year by any means. I don't understand why you couldn't just have Danish go that inning. Yeah, you're going to have a big task in Vlad Jr., but hey, sometimes you know you got to put your big boy pants on and you got to go after it, right? So uh, to me, I think Danish should have came in for the seventh, should have gone the eighth as well. If you wanted to get two innings, um, honestly, I would have been as crazy as this might sound. As crazy as this might sound, I would have had. I to be, I don't know. I would have even maybe had Robles come in for the seventh inning because Robles has actually shown good numbers in innings six, seven, and eight. In the ninth inning, Hanzo Robles is just absolutely terrible. Please send him to the sun. Keep Hanzo Robles away from the ninth inning. His numbers are absolutely abysmal in the ninth inning. He has an ERA of 7.71 in the ninth with a FIP of 7.84. Hanzo Robles needs to stay away from the ninth inning. I don't get it because in innings six through eight, He has a 3.52 ERA and a 3.06 FIP. I'm not understanding why Robles, who had three blown saves coming into this game, why is he still seeing the ninth inning? I don't understand it. Again, 
and even if the analytics don't back, even the numbers don't back it up. I'm not understanding why Robles came in for the end of this game. I, I, I don't know why he was even warming up. Why not have Matt Strom, who ended up pitching the end of game three, why not have him come in for game two? I don't get it. Why would you not? You bring him in for game three, but then you, you don't bring him in for game two? I, I don't know. It felt like the Red Sox kind of learned their lesson in that in in that situation, but I don't know. Hindsight, it was a this was not a well managed bullpen in this game. Um, these are just my opinions. I'm a potato sitting at a desk in my apartment. What do I know? I'm gonna go with Alex Cora in decision making any day of the week. But I feel like I saw Hanzo Robles completely melt down live in Tampa when he gave up the walk off home run to Kevin Kiermaier. He looked really good, and then he balked. And then the guy just completely melted down. I saw it right in front of my own eyes. How am I seeing if Alex Cora can't? I'm not, I don't get it. And then he's coming at the end of other games too, completely blown it. There's a point where the analytics can only go so far. And there's a time where some guys just simply cannot handle the ninth inning. It, it, I'm sorry. You know, Jonathan Papelbon, the greatest closer in Red Sox history. That is a guy who had the mentality for the ninth inning. There's a difference between, you know, the numbers. The numbers are great. I'm all about the numbers. But there's also a time for the ninth inning, a lot of adrenaline going on, especially on the road. You know, that is the kind of mentality you need. And sorry, Robles, he he thinks too much. And when you're coming in at the end of a game in Toronto, you're. I even tweeted out, Robles, I tweeted out, it's going to be a miracle if Robles even gets through this. And of course, I was proven right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, but to me, I, I would have gone with Schreiber. Or sorry, I would have gone with Tyler Danish in the seventh and the eighth. And I would have gone with Schreiber in the ninth. Or I would have gone with how they did it. Go with Schreiber in the seventh, Danish in the eighth. And then I would have went, or I would have went with Matt Strom in the ninth. I don't see why that didn't happen. I, I don't know. Uh, the fact that Robles was even warming up for the ninth inning is an absolute crime. I don't understand it. Um, I feel like I've said that like 20 times now, but I really just don't understand it. So um, those are my thoughts on that. I, I don't know. People can argue with me left and right. I saw people tweeting at me because, you know, myself, I was very grumpy about this moment. I had people saying, oh, well, Vlad Jr. was coming up. So obviously you're bringing Schreiber. Well, again, I understand that, but you also have to think you don't have Tanner Houck here. You got to save your best guy for the, for the end. I understand wanting to get there, but you had other guys that could have gotten you there. So I'm not understanding in the end. I was proven right. Uh, what can you do? So, um, moving into game three, moving into game three, my goodness, Thank God the Red Sox were able to pull this out. You had Pavetta on the mound going up against Manoa. This one felt like a playoff game. Absolutely felt like a playoff game here. This had energy. Like this, the Red Sox, it, it felt like they were desperate for this one. It, if they had gotten swept here, this would have been a bad taste. Um, the Red Sox needed to win this game for their own mentality, I think. And they were able to pull this one out. I felt good about coming, or I felt good about this one going in. Pavetta on the mound. The Red Sox are 8-3 and three when he's on the mound since May 1st. Uh, they both pitched well. Pavetta pitched well. Manoa pitched well. Pa uh, Pavetta went six innings. He gave up two. Manoa ended up going seven. He gave up three, two earned. So both pitched really well in this game. Again, it felt like a playoff game. Uh, actually, in the third inning, the benches cleared. Pavetta hit Alejandro Kirk with a pitch. And I... I to me, I, I, it's like, where was the intent there? You know, Vlad Jr. started barking at Pavetta, started yelling at him. Pavetta started getting heated. The bench is cleared. I don't know, Vlad Jr., what are you doing? What are you getting mad? I understand Alejandro Kirk. A lot of guys have been going inside on him lately because he's been a really good hitter. You're trying to do what you can. I mean, Alejandro Kirk, he's hitting 320. Uh, after this game, he was hitting, or yeah, yeah. So he was hitting 320 with a 932 OPS. I get it. He's been a very good hitter lately. Uh, so to me, a lot of these pictures, they're trying to get in on him. They're trying to crowd the plate or not crowd the plate. They're trying to get inside on him. So he won't crowd the plate. And they're, you know, they're just trying to figure this guy out. And yeah, guys have been going inside on him a lot lately. And Pavetta did the same thing, ended up getting, or he getting, ended up getting hit by the pitch. So to me, it's like, I don't understand. I get wanting, wanting to stick up for your teammates. Um, I know a lot of these guys, they don't like when these guys are coming inside. Um, but 
at the end of the day, it's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but Vlad Jr., I'm not really understanding why he's getting so heated. Vlad Jr., please go have a sandwich. Go home. Uh, but fifth inning, Springer, home run to make it 2-1. to one. Red Sox answered from Alex Verjungo. Why am I saying Alex Verjungo? Because this guy has been absolutely amazing in the month of June. He homered to make it 3-2. to two. Alex Verjungo. My goodness, tw- that is terrible. I'm never going to say it again. Uh, 23 games this month, hit 337 with a 400 on base, a 505 slugging, three home runs, 19 RBIs. Alex Verdugo, man, if it weren't for Rafi Devers being so stupid at the plate this month, Verdugo would be the player of the month. A fantastic month of June. Really got off to a slow start in the first couple of months, so it's really nice to see Verdugo pick up the pace here in the month of June. My goodness. Uh, But getting back to the game, Tapia, he doubled off of Brazier in the eighth. That tied it at three. And then here comes Matt Strom. Again, why was Matt Strom not in for game two? I I don't know. I don't get it. Whatever. Uh, Had a really good ninth inning. He struck out two. Went to extra innings. J.D. Martinez, he got hit by a pitch. Alex Verjungo, double, made it six to three in the tenth. uh, But the bullpen... Really uh, looking shaky once again. Strom, he was back out for the 10th. This guy looked gassed. Uh, he was shaky, man. Espinal, Biggio, they drove in a pair to make it 6-5. to five. Strom, it, oh my goodness, you had two on there. I'm thinking, come on, we can't blow this one. There's no way we can blow, the, there's no way. Come on, don't you do it. But runners on second and third, he got Springer to pop out. Um, so... In the end, the Red Sox come away with the win. Uh, my key takeaways for this series... Key takeaways, you need a guy for the bullpen. You need a guy for the bullpen. And actually, believe it or not, Garrett Whitlock is being considered for the bullpen. If you didn't catch this yesterday, Alex Cora was on WEI radio, and he was talking about Garrett Whitlock because he should be back soon. Now, the question is, to me, it was looking like he was going to be coming back as a starter. But now the conversation is open within the Red Sox for him to come back as a starter or a reliever. I was okay with Whitlock continuing to be a starter because the bullpen was looking pretty good. But now I'm back on this guy needs to get back to the bullpen. I'm sorry. You know, Tanner Houck, I'm not going to get into the whole vaccination thing. It's I'm just not doing it. Whatever. You can think what you want. But um, Tanner Houck, he was not available. I'm not even caring about any of that stuff. What I care about is simply put, he was not available, right? And you need someone that's going to be available. That is a player's one of the. Uh, that's one of a player's biggest attributes. Are they available to play? Tanner Houck was not available in this series, so to me, you need. I think for the rest of the year, I think you need to have someone that's going to be available every single game if they're healthy. Garrett Whitlock is that guy to me. Um, I think Tanner Houck absolutely can have a huge role in the bullpen. Have Whitlock as your closer. Have Hauk as kind of your utility knife, kind of where he can kind of come in at any point in the game. He can come in in the fifth inning if you need to. If a guy gets blown up after four innings, he can maybe go a few. You can have him come in for the eighth in certain spots. Maybe even have him close out some games if Whitlock is not available. Um, I think Hauk is that guy that should have multiple roles in that bullpen. I am completely okay with having Whitlock as the closer. I think you need to. Whitlock has proven to be a better reliever at this point in his career. He has 39 innings as a starter. He has a 4.15 ERA, a 3.62 FIP. Hitters are hitting 261 against him as a starter with a 723 OPS. But as a reliever, 83 innings in his career, a 1.84 ERA, 2.84 FIP. Hitters are only hitting 221 against him as a reliever with a 604 OPS. The big reason why Whitlock is so good as a reliever compared to a starter, well, as a starter, you got a game plan just so much differently. As a reliever, you're just coming in, and you're just you're just, you're just giving it what you got, right? You're just going out there and you're just trying to blow some fastballs in there and you're just looking to close the game. Uh, Whitlock, to me, he has not looked very comfortable as a starter. It looks like he's thinking too much out there. To me, I think with Whitlock, get back to a role that's a little more simple. Play to your strengths. He's very good as a reliever, and one of, and another big reason 
besides just keeping it simple. He has really good extension, uh, so he's releasing the ball closer to the plate. That's harder to pick up when a guy is coming out of the bullpen. When a guy is coming, you know, into start, you're seeing more pitches from this guy, and so you're getting used to him a little easier because you're seeing more pitches, right? But as a reliever, you're just coming in and you're just throwing your best stuff. That, to me, I think is what Whitlock needs to do. He's harder to pick up at the end of the games. So I think Whitlock needs to be the closer, have Halk as your guy that can have multiple roles in that bullpen. I'm completely okay with that. And another reason I'm completely okay with Whitlock just being your closer is because the starting pitching has shown that it can really just handle it. It's been one of the best starting rotations for a while now. If I were to actually pull up here on Baseball Savant, let me pull up the team rankings Hold on one second. My goodness, my computer is not working for me right now. But if we're looking at right now, the Red Sox for the year rank 14th in starting pitching, right? They have a 3.55 ERA, a 4.00 FIP. But if we go back to May 1st, the Red Sox have the sixth best starting rotation going back to May 1st. And actually, if I pull up the month of June, the Red Sox are the sec- have the second best starting pitching in the month of June, only behind Atlanta. So I think the Red Sox starting, rota- starting rotation has shown that they can handle it. Uh, you're getting a lot of good spot starts. Winkowski's been really solid. I mean, even Cutter Crawford came in there a couple of times, gave you a couple of good spot starts. Seabold, I don't know what's going to end up happening with him, but uh, he's someone that he can end up filling in if a guy goes down. But I'm okay because eventually you're going to get Evaldi back. He'll come back. He's dealing with a hip and a lower back issue right now. But I'm okay with a rotation of Pavetta, Evaldi, Sale, Waka, and a combination. Don't forget about Paxton. He'll be back soon too. Who knows what ends up going to happen? What? Who knows what's going to end up happening with Paxton? He's such a big question mark, but uh, I feel like they'll find a way to manage his innings, and so I'm not too worried about that. But at the end of the day, with Paxton, you really do have to proceed with caution. But I'm okay with Pavetta, Ivaldi, Sale, Waka, and a combination of Paxton, Winkowski. Don't forget about Rich Hill as well. So I think the starting pitching, I think they have found the right formula. I think they have found the right group of guys. Um, and, and, th- and that's even without sale and Evaldi right now. So completely okay with Waka going back to the bullpen. The bullpen is clearly lacking a big arm. The, the bullpen as a whole has not been terrible, but at the end of games, you need a big arm back there. You need someone like how Papelbon was back in the day. You need a guy like that. And Whitlock to me is that guy, um, and then how I think he'll be a valuable piece in the bullpen. So that is what I'm thinking. There's also the possibility, there is also the possibility of the Red Sox maybe going after a reliever, which I do think they will end up doing. I would not be surprised about that. And actually, on the Athletic, I'm not the biggest fan of the Athletic, to be completely honest with you. If you like the Athletic, we'll power to you. I'm not the biggest fan, um, mainly just because I think they have lazy journalism a lot. Uh, I think Jim Bowden, it it is shown that he he has a little understanding of some trades, but I think in today's game, I don't think he has a firm grasp on how trades really work uh, because some of the trades that Jim Bowden proposes, they're just so bad sometimes, and uh, I don't think he fully understands valuing players in today's game. Maybe back you know, early 2000s, sure, maybe the way he thinks works back then. But in today's game where guys or organizations are valuing players much differently, I don't think he has a really good grasp on it. But Jim Bowden is a name. He works for The Athletic now. Him and Chad Jennings, they both did an article on Red Sox trade possibilities. Um, So let's get into this. They actually proposed a couple here where actually they did propose not just trades for relievers, but for some other guys too. I'll get into those in just a little bit. I want to go over the bullpen first, since we're on the bullpen. The first bullpen option that they gave was for Gregory Soto on the Tigers. I would not be mad getting someone like Gregory Soto. He's been striking guys out left and right. He's got some control there, but they're offering here. uh, The first proposal was Gregory Soto for Brandon Walter, 
and Wickelman Gonzalez. Now, if we go to baseball trade values, the best baseball trade simulator out there, you're at, you're on the right track with this one. As of right now, Gregory Soto, he is worth $12.6 million on baseball trade values, while Gonzalez is worth $6.6, and Walter is worth $4.9. And actually, if we just go pull up their rankings on MLB Pipeline, my goodness, I cannot type today. Fat fingers are a problem, my friends. Uh, but... Uh, Gonzalez is their number nine prospect and Walter is their number eight. So I think that seems pretty fair. If you ask me, maybe you could throw in one more guy for Soto because he isn't the reason Soto has a good value is because, well, he's performing well this year and he's also under control. That's a big thing is when you have contract control, your value is going to shoot through the roof. So uh, I think you're on the right track with this trade. I don't think it's necessarily bad. Uh, but then Jim Bowden, he just completely ruins it. Uh, he says here, I think it would take both uh, Brian Bayo and Walter to make it happen. And then I think that works for both sides. Jim Bowden, are you out of your mind? It works for both sides? Really? Do you really think the Red Sox are going to give up their top pitching prospect for a reliever? Well, granted, Gregory Soto's having a, a very nice year. Let me actually pull up Gregory Soto here on Fangraphs. He's having himself a really good year in that Tigers bullpen. Very lame duck of a year for the Detroit Tigers, but Soto has been a bright spot. He's got 15 saves, 2.57 ERA. The FIP is not too much higher, 3.34. Um, 9.3 strikeouts per nine, under four walks per nine. I would be totally okay with getting someone like Gregory Soto. He's not a free agent until 2026. A lot of control there. He's not too expensive. Um, so, but then you you really lose me when you're throwing in Bray and Bayo, your top pitching prospect. I'm okay with maybe giving up Walter. He has really risen through that farm system. Um, still a bit of an unknown to me, but Bray and Bayo. Your top pitching prospect? Well, as you can see here on Baseball Trade Values, if you're live with me on YouTube uh, right now, like I said, Gregory Soto, he's worth $12.6 But Brian Bayo, as of right now, and his value is only going to keep getting better because he had, or he's having himself a really good year in the minor leagues. He is showing some nasty stuff. But as of right now on Baseball Trade Values, he's worth $23.5 million while Walter is worth 4.9, that's a total of 28.4 million compared to Soto at 12.6. So that's a huge overpay. And for Jim Bowden to say that both si that this would work for both sides, shame on you, Jim Bowden. You're a former general manager, my friend. It, it, it's so lazy. Come on, my friend. Like, I know you work for The Athletic. I know it's a it's a failing company. You had to sell yourselves out to the New York Times. You lost $65 million in revenue last year. Your memberships are going down from like $60 a year to like, I don't know, five or 10 bucks a year. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there at The Athletic, but hey, this is lazy. This is, come on. You're a former GM. You traded for Ken Griffey Jr. at one point. You should know your stuff by now, my friend. And for the I'm not saying this out of bias. I'm saying it because it's just, it doesn't make sense. And you, you need to step it up a little, Jim Bowden. I mean, come on. It's just lazy. It's lazy. Um, but this trade, what he is suggesting, would clearly not work. Um, I would not give up Bayo in this trade at all. Maybe, maybe in a trade for someone like Luis Castillo or Frankie Montaz. And even then, you'd have to sit and ponder, is it worth giving up a possible future stud for one and a half years of Luis Castillo or Montez. Even then, I'm still pumping the brakes. But you're suggesting Bayo for a reliever? Oh, get out of here, my friend. This just really cheesed me off, to be completely honest with you. Let's move on to the next one. Now, oh, oh Jim Bowden, my friend, you just keep on going. Now, let's get into David Bednar. David Bednar on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm hearing a lot of a lot of people out there over the monster on their podcast. They're saying, oh, yeah, David Bednar, that's the guy. Absolutely not. David Bednar is having a really good year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Very good year. But put him in Fenway Park. My goodness. Go on Baseball Savant. You know what? I'm going to pull up David Bednar right now on Baseball Savant. Let's pull up the illustrator. If you're with me here on YouTube, you will see firsthand 
how bad Bednar would be in Fenway Park. So let me pull up here. If you go to the Illustrator, it took me so long to figure out how to do this, and I was able to figure it out. But if you click on the certain type of chart, you go to his spray chart, and as you can see here, he's given up three home runs this year. Now, if you put him in Fenway Park, look at how many more home runs he would give up. He would be giving up one, two, three, four, four more home runs at Fenway Park. He would be terrible at Fenway. I do not want David Bednar. He's a fly ball guy. Fly balls with the green monster? Absolutely no. I do not want that. Um, so over the monster, please stop suggesting David Bednar. For the Red Sox, it's not good. It doesn't make sense. Please stop it. Go eat a sandwich. And uh, for Jim Bowden to be suggesting him, I, listen, I get it. He's having a good year. He has a lot of control. But here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with all of you. I was talking with John of Baseball Trade Values yesterday. David Bet. I don't see the Pirates giving, up, giving him up at all. Why? Well, because... He's under a lot of control. He's not a free agent, I believe, until 2027. He is obviously working in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is going to be really close to competing. I'm telling you all right now, you might be, you might be, I might have turned some heads with this one. I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if the Pirates are maybe hanging around next year. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next year, but don't be surprised if they're hanging around. They're starting to get some really good players come up to the major leagues. They have one of the best farm systems in Major League Baseball. I am telling you, don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Pirates as soon as next year. Telling you. So why would you want to get rid of David Bednar? Why would the Pirates want to? He's cheap. You have him until 2027. He's one of the best relievers in the game. Why do that? Why give why give up someone like that? Now, he could get you a pretty decent package, but I also think he's going to be too expensive because if you take a look here, uh, if you're with me here on YouTube, you'll see that Bednar is worth $31.9 million because, well, he's really good and he's under a ton of control. So that's a lot for a reliever. Now, here's the trade that the, the original trade proposed by Chad Jennings was for David Bednar. And going back to the Pirates would be Bobby Dahlback. That's not even close to getting it done. Bednar, like I said, is worth $32 million, And Dahlback is only worth ten and a half. So you're way off in that. So, But then Jim Bowden came back and proposed, how about Jaron Duran, Dahlback, Brian Bayo, and Jeter Downs for Brian Reynolds and David Bednar? This, and this, again, once again, Jim Bowden, he just does not have an understanding – Listen, Brian Reynolds, even if you want to decrease his, he has a value of 80 and a half million. Now, let's say you even want to bump that down a little bit. He did get off to a slow start, but he's starting to heat up yesterday. He's starting to heat up yesterday or the day before. Can't remember, had three home runs in a game. Brian Reynolds, I don't see the Pirates giving him up, giving him up either because, again, they're really close to competing. I think Brian Reynolds is a guy that that's your guy in your organization that's the guy that you build around so I don't see them giving him up but as for this trade now if you want to talk about trading Bray and Bayo this is the kind of a package where you're looking at someone like a Bayo in it because because absolutely Brian Reynolds I would love Brian Reynolds he would be huge I don't think the Red Sox necessarily need him but I would if you got me Brian Reynolds I would be stoked absolutely stoked um so this package overall, David Bednar and Brian Reynolds is worth $112.4 million. A package of Brian Bayo, Bobby Dahlback, Jeter Downs, and Jaron Duran is worth a total of $52.5 million. You are way off. You're not even halfway there. Shame on you, Jim Bowden, for not even understanding Brian Reynolds' true value. Shame on you. Um, now, let's get into... Let's get into one. Finally, they got one that maybe makes a little bit of sense. Now, for another one, they proposed David Robertson, who the Red Sox are going to see with the Cubs over the weekend. So this is a good chance to do some scouting on 
Mr. David Robertson, who I would love to have over the monster, has suggested getting David Robertson. I agree over the monster. I think that would be fantastic. David Robertson makes a lot of sense. He's not going to make a lot of money or he's not making a lot of money. He's a free agent after this year. The only really big question mark with David Robertson, he's 37 years old. He's had some injuries in the past few years. I, I think he's fine moving forward. He seems to be okay, but there is some injury risk there with David Robertson. Now, the original proposed trade from Chad Jennings was David Robertson to the Red Sox for infielder Christian Koss, who as of right now, I believe is their number 26 prospect, number 26. So that sounds about right. However, the problem, the problem with this, also I'll talk about, I have, if you're with me here on YouTube, you're probably seeing that I have Koss and also uh, Kadeni Raffaella here as well. But uh, let me actually, if you take out Raffaella, um, let me pull him out here. So Raffaella is worth 2.8. So let me take him out. So as you can see, this trade is dead on even when it comes to the values. I think Robertson, he's worth 0.7 million right now. I think he's going to go up a little bit there, but it's also going to be the market too. The market is simply going to bump his value up a lot You're because this guy's not expensive. He's doing well this year, a lot of teams are going to be going after David Robertson. They're, the Cubs, their phone is going to be off the hook for him. Um, but so the Red Sox offering Koss, who's their number 26 prospect, on paper, yes, this works. I don't think it's going to be enough to get it done, to be completely honest, because of all of the offers that are going to be coming through. The price is going to be driven up because of other teams making all these phone calls about him. Now, I suggest Raffaella, I actually would not want to trade him um, because he's having himself a really good year. He recently just got promoted to double A. Uh, he has been very good, but there's still some question marks with him. He tends to be a little over aggressive at the plate. It's working for him this year, so maybe he has turned a bit of a corner. But uh, I think a trade like this would make some sense. As of right now, baseball trade values considers this trade an overpay or a minor overpay because Rafaela is worth 2.8 million. And just in case, if you want to just, if you don't know Kadeni Rafaela, he's the number 27 prospect, but his value has been going up because he's having himself a really good year in the minor leagues. So far in the minors this year, he's hitting 316 with a 355 on base, 14 home runs and 51 RBIs. Again, long-term, he is a bit of a question mark, but he could end up being a really good utility player at at minimum, at minimum. So I could see Heim Bloom not wanting to trade him, but I think it might take someone like that or at least around this kind of value to get Robertson just because... Robertson's going to be getting a lot of they're going to be getting a lot of offers for him. So his value is simply going to go up just because of the market. So I would love David Robertson. And so I, you know, I think this is very good. Um, and it's funny because he actually, Jim Bowden said, um, I think Koss or Kadeni Raffaella would be fair value in a deal. Uh, but it really depends if there's another team that's willing to overpay. So Bowden, thank goodness you got something right. You got, I, you're on the right track with this one, man. Thank you for getting, you know, getting to your senses a little bit, my goodness. Uh, but I agree with him on here. I think, I don't think cost is going to be enough. I think someone like Rafaela is going to be what it takes. Um, I could see the Cubs looking for a bit of a high upside guy. Cause to me, when you're giving up Robertson, who really there's no point in keeping him, I'd rather go for a high upside guy with, you know, if you're trading a more talented player, then at that point, I want someone who's going to have at least a very good floor. When I'm giving up someone like Robertson, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think when you're giving up someone like Robertson, to me, I want to try and maximize what I could bring back. And to me, I'm looking for a high upside player. And I think Kadeni Raffaella would fit the bill when it comes to that. Would I want to trade Raffaella? I don't know. I don't, I don't know because he's having a really good year, but you never know. He could be a guy that ends up flaming out at some point. Um, but I think for the Cubs, that would be worth the risk. You know, I, I think that would make some sense for the Cubs 
For the Red Sox, I would be a little bummed about it, but you know, hey, if you got if you got yourself a really good reliever in Robertson and ended up helping you win a World Series, uh, I think it would be worth it. But uh, let's move on here. We had a couple of other trades besides relievers. We actually had one for Josh Bell. And actually, I think Josh Bell could make some sense. Let me actually pull up here. Josh Bell. So I don't necessarily think they need him, but I kind of like Schwarber. You didn't really need Schwarber last year either, but ended up paying off. And it's funny because Josh Bell, he's on the Nationals this year. Could you once again do a deal with the Nationals back-to-back years? Uh, Adam Watson, thank you for subscribing. I appreciate that. But Josh Bell, he's having himself a really good year. He's hitting 319, a 402 on base, a 507 slugging, 11 homers, a 151 WRC+. Plus. My goodness, he's having himself a really good year. He's a switch hitter as well. If you take a look at his splits, um, uh, against righties as a lefty, he's hitting 339. And against lefties as a righty, he's hitting 281. So he's having himself a good year from both sides of the plate. So I would not mind Josh Bell at all. Now, if we take a look at the proposal from Jim Bowden, um, let me find this here. So Chad Jennings, the original offer that he came up with was Josh Bell going to the Red Sox and the Red Sox sending back Brainer Bonacci and Cutter Crawford. Now, Bonacci is the number 20 prospect and Crawford, who we have seen in the majors this year, is their number 24 at the moment. Now, this trade, I actually think it looks pretty good. I think Shad Jennings, you came up with a good trade here. I, I think uh, now could the national... Here's the thing with Josh Bell. Here's the difference with Josh Bell and someone like David Robertson. There's not going to be a big market for Josh Bell. It, I don't think it's going to be... With David Robertson, you could potentially have at least 15 teams calling about David Robertson. Where with Josh Bell, maybe three or four, maybe five. There's not going to be a big market for Josh Bell. So this is where... I think a trade like this could make some sense. In this trade here on baseball trade values for Bonacci and Cutter Crawford, that would be an accepted trade. Now, could the Red Sox possibly uh, add in a little bit more to try and get a deal done? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But I think with josh bell i don't think it's going to take a lot more than someone like Bonacci and crawford could you maybe switch out cutter crawford with a slightly better picture or maybe you could increase or swap out Bonacci with something maybe you could send back someone like a tyler mcdonald who they did just draft recently maybe you could throw in a, a gilberto jimenez possibly even then i feel like that might be a little too much i mean if we're looking at some guys here that you could swap out you know, to make sure you can get a deal done, you know, maybe, you know, Jimenez, I think if you put in Jimenez, he's worth 4.6 million. So you would be doing a bit of a moderate overpay at that point. Uh, Maybe you could send instead of Cutter Crawford, maybe you could send back someone like Jay Groom. Jay Groom, as of right now, is the number 11. So maybe you could throw in a bit of a better pitching prospect at that point. Maybe you could send back Connor Siebold, possibly. Um, I think you're on the right track with this one, with Bonacci and Crawford. I think you would have to up it a little bit. I could see the Nationals wanting a little bit more, but they might not have a choice because the market is not going to be very good for Josh Bell. Now, this is where, this is, I got to, sorry, I got to get on to Jim Bowden here once again. Um, If you take a look here, he makes a comment about Josh Bell. He says here, I've always liked Bell because of his high character and work ethic and the fact that he's got power from both sides of the plate. However, I view him as a below average defender at first base and the Red Sox don't need another DH. Well, Jim Bowden, well, if I'm looking here at the leaderboards, let me go here to the leaderboards. If we go to the fielding leaderboards for first baseman, if you take a look here, well, Josh Bell is a top 10 defender at first base this year. Christian Walker's number one, and then it goes to Mountcastle, Abreu, Vlad Jr., Freeman, Olsen, 
Actually, Dahlback is ahead of him. I, I think Dahlback has not been very good. Um, but Josh Bell, he has four defensive runs saved at first base. The UZR is a negative 0.2, while Dahlback is a 1.7. But Dahlback has let a few balls get by him, and uh, he has negative two defensive runs saved. So I think Josh Bell, I don't know what he's talking about, being a below-average defender. I mean, sure... Maybe if you look at prior years, Bell has not been the best defender out there, but he's actually been a bit better this year. I would be willing to do a deal for Josh Bell. I would not mind that. The Red Sox, they've been going with that platoon of Dahlback and Cordero. Um, Would they maybe want to solidify that position a little bit more? Sure, I wouldn't mind it. I think they need a bullpen arm more. I think that's the bigger need. Uh, But I would not hate getting someone like Josh Bell. And, uh, you know, could the Red Sox end up just maybe doing something internally? Could you maybe use, if Brian Bayo has a pitch count this year or an an innings limit, could you maybe bring up Bayo as a reliever to maybe fill out those innings? I'm not saying that's what the Red Sox are going to do. But it is an option if you did want to have another reliever in there and someone like Bayo who's got electric stuff, maybe you could have him come in as another arm for the bullpen. If you're if he's working on an innings limit, maybe you can try and maximize those innings. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I could see the Red Sox going after Josh Bell. Now, there's one more trade, one more trade that they talked about, and that is for... Luis Castillo. If the Red Sox got Luis Castillo, I would be doing cartwheels. I would be doing, I would rip my pants off and I would run around outside screaming at the top of my lungs. Uh, Luis Castillo in a Red Sox uniform, I would go bonkers for. I would absolutely love it. I think he would fit the Red Sox really well. They have a good infield defense. Luis Castillo tends to get more ground balls. Um, I would love Luis Castillo in a Red Sox uniform. Don't think it's going to happen, but I love the idea of it. So for this trade, he uh, Chad Jennings originally proposed Nick York, Chris Murphy, and Jeter Downs. Now, let me actually pull this up because I, I put into the simulator what Jim Bowden proposed, and I will get to that and how bad it is in just a second. But let me pull up the original one. And actually... The original trade from Chad, I think Chad Jennings should be writing these articles for The Athletic and not Jim Bowden, because I think Chad Jennings seems to have a little bit more of an understanding. Um, So let me put here, going back to the Reds, so he said uh, Nick York. Actually, no, this actually might be a little too much. York did just recently have an injury, so I could see his value being a little lower than what it's listed here at 37.7 million, but he offered York, Murphy, and Downs. Now, so Murphy, right now, he is at 2.2, and then Downs, he's at four. So this, and actually, you know what? This actually might not be too far off. That's not too far off. The It is a slight overpay. It, it's, right now, it's considered moderate, but with Castillo... He is worth $35.7 million, okay? A package of Nick York, uh, Murphy, and Jeter Downs, that is $43.9. Now, I would hate to give up Nick York. I really would. I think he's going to be a gamer. Um, I think eventually, I think uh, he's going to be a really good player for the Red Sox. It would be really tough to give up Nick York. But when it comes to the values... It makes a little sense because Castillo is going to have a market. You're going to have a lot of teams trying to get a hold of Luis Castillo. So his $35.7 million value, that will go up. So I think a package of York, Murphy, and Downs could be pretty decent. Um, uh, Jim Bowden ended up saying here, he says here, I love York, but he's not a fit for the Reds, who have the reigning rookie of the year in Jonathan India at second base. Listen, you can't be looking at it like that. You can't, like, I understand, yes, you have Jonathan India as your second baseman, but when it comes to prospects, there's always a chance you can move guys around. There's always that possibility. So when you're, when you're looking to acquire prospects, you're looking at, 
you're not just looking at today. You're looking at, you know, a few years from now too. India could end up being a, you know, he's going to be getting closer to free agency in a few years. And, and Nick York, he won't be, he probably won't be ready for at least another few years. So you have to kind of look at it like that. And then guys can obviously move around to different positions and so on. So instead of Nick York, Jim Bowden offered Tristan Cassis and Brian Bayo to get Castillo. I will give Bowden a little credit here because he says here, but that price to me would be too steep from the Red Sox perspective. Thank goodness he recognized that because it would be very very steep. Uh, Bayo, again, he's worth $23.5 million. Cassis is worth almost $50 million. He's one of the top prospects in the game. Cassis is going is to be a monster. So Cassis right now worth $48.8 million. Bayo, $23.5. That's a total of $72.3. For Castillo, who is $35.7. That's huge overpay. Um, to me, Bayo and maybe, if you take out Cassis here, now, this is Red Sox fans. I want to know what you think. Would you trade Brian Bayo and maybe like, I don't know, Dahlback or like Duran? Let me put Duran. Would you trade Brian Bayo and Jaron Duran for Luis Castillo? Would you do it? I don't know. I think you would probably feel better if you were able to sign Luis Castillo long term, but... Would you give up these kind? Because this is probably what it's going to have to take. And I, honestly, I would think the Reds would maybe want more prospects here. So let's take out Duran. I don't know. Let's just put in like a young player. Like, I don't know. Let's say here, Blaze Jordan and maybe uh, maybe Gonzalez. who Gonzalez, Wil, uh, Wilkeman Gonzalez, the number nine. Would you do this trade? Would you do this? Brian Bayo, Wilkeman Gonzalez, and Blaze Jordan for Luis Castillo. I would not do it. I wouldn't because to me, Brian Bayo, I think he's going to be a stud. He's been doing really good. Um, I wouldn't mind including Gonzalez in some kind of a deal. Blaze Jordan would be tough to lose, but I would if it was the right package, I'd be okay with giving up Blaze Jordan. So in the end, I don't think the Red Sox will get Castillo. I would love it. My goodness. But it would also have to be the right package too. So, uh, let's move on here. Let's move on. Enough of all the trades. I know we love talking trades, but let's get into this series with the Chicago Cubs. My goodness. Every time I see a Red Sox-Cubs series, I can't help but think of 2003 because this was supposed to be the World Series in 2003. It should have been the World Series. It would have been awesome because these two teams, classic teams, Going all the way back to the early 1900s, these guys were always at the top. And uh, it would have been really cool to see Red Sox-Cubs in the World Series uh, back in 2003. But we obviously saw what happened. Aaron Bleep and Boone. Bartman. You got to love it. But Red Sox-Cubs, this, hey, I just always love when classic teams are going up against each other. Teams that have been around for over 100 years. It's always pretty cool to see. You don't ever really see the Red Sox and the Cubs play each other. So, Pretty fun, if you ask me. But going into the series, starts tomorrow. It's a day off today. Uh, you got Rich Hill against Adrian Sampson. Winkowski gets the nod for game two. And then it looks like for game three, it's still to be determined, but it's looking like Connor Seabold will get the start if they want to go with him again. And uh, for the Cubs, it's looking like Keegan Thompson. So right now for the Cubs, they're 29-46. and 46. They rank 18th in offense, 28th in starting pitching, and their bullpen is actually okay. 15th in bullpen this year. Again, we're going to see David Robertson. That's a good scouting opportunity. The Cubs, they're going to be very involved with moves at the deadline. You got Wilson Contreras there. You got Ian Happ. I could see those two guys being in deals. Wilson Contreras, especially, unless they want to get him signed up to an extension. But uh, don't be surprised if you see Wilson Contreras go somewhere. You got a couple of teams out there that could use some help with catching. The San Francisco Giants come to mind. John Bitzer of Baseball Trade Values, he mentioned that yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Giants, that'd be a good fit. Um, 
Tampa Bay, I think, would be a good fit for Wilson Contreras. They could use a bit of a spark. Uh, Mike Zanino, who knows how long he's going to be out for. Wilson, they could use a bat as well. Contreras, I think, would be a really nice fit. Uh, but you do have a couple of fun players here with the Cubs. Don't forget about Nico Horner. He's having himself a really good year. Nico Horner this year hitting 304, a 341 on base, 425 slugging. Having himself a really nice year. So you got Rafael Ortega there, who's having a pretty decent year. Uh, but... And what the, what the heck happened to Seiya Suzuki? This guy was the player of the month in the first month, and now he's only hitting 245. What is going on with Seiya Suzuki? You're hearing everything about this guy in the first month, and now he's just he's not doing anything. So, I don't know. But uh, for the Cubs, they got a few fun players. Uh, to me, this is a winnable series. If you don't sweep this series, I will be upset. I will be mad. I will be very disappointed if you don't sweep the Chicago Cubs. I know it's on the road. You better at least win two out of three. To me, there is no reason. I'm sorry. There's no reason you don't sweep this. The Cubs are not a good team this year. Their offense is kind of whatever. Their starting pitching is so bad. My goodness. Sweep this series. You better sweep this series. I swear to I, my God. I, I might even be disappointed if they only win two out of three. Um, that's how I'm feeling about it. Let's talk about some prospects before I get out of here. Taking a look here. Um, oh, Kevin, Suzuki is injured. Thank you. You're right. He is injured. Yeah, how many games has he played? Yeah, he's only played 41 games. That's right. So, yes. Thank you, Kevin, in the chat for bringing that up. I forgot about that. So, let's get to some prospects. And my favorite prospect this year, the guy that does not have a picture, anywhere you go look for a picture, he does not have a picture, Nico Cavadas. This guy's amazing. He went deep again a couple nights ago. My goodness. He's got 11 home runs in the month of June. That's his third home run already in high A Greenville. Coming into a couple nights ago, he had 11 straight games with an extra base hit and nine of them being home runs. Are you kidding me? Nico Cavadas is out of his mind. I tweeted out a video of Nico Cavadas. I'd actually tweeted this out when he got drafted out of Notre Dame. But I tweeted the same video again the other day of him hitting an absolute bomb at Notre Dame. He hit it completely out of the stadium. It was a it was a moonshot. Nico Cavadas is awesome. Uh, but last night he went one for three, so he has a hit in his first five games at high A ball. I am telling you, Nico Cavadas is going to be an absolute monster. Look out for him. And can we please get him a picture, please? What what are we doing here? Where's the picture? Greenville, can you please go take a picture of this guy and put it up on his page? Uh, moving on here, Brian Mata, former top pitching prospect for the Red Sox. He has been officially activated off of the injured list. He is back with the Sea Dogs. Three and a third innings the other night, uh, or last night, only gave up two hits, one earned, struck out three. But uh, actually, notable about this game is Josh Taylor actually pitched in this one. He threw a scoreless inning. He should be getting closer to getting back to the Red Sox. Uh, I think he's going to be a big boost for that bullpen. 61 games last year, a 3.40 ERA, 60 strikeouts over those 47 and two-thirds innings. And let me actually pull up here. What was Josh Taylor's FIP? So he had a 3.40 ERA, but his FIP was a 2.83. 11.3 strikeouts per nine. He was a little heavy with the walks, uh, 4.3 walks per nine, but he didn't give up really any home runs. Uh, I think Taylor is going to be a really nice boost for the Red Sox uh, when he comes back. Let's talk about Marcelo Mayer, their top pick last year in the draft. Hit his sixth home run a couple of nights ago. He's having himself a really good year. Six home runs on, like I said, six home runs on the year, hitting 274 and 848 OPS. He has 10 stolen bases as well. Marcelo Mayer, man, he's going to be really good. And also a guy that you don't really hear about too much, David Hamilton. He's not having a great year this year in the minor leagues. You're probably wondering who the heck is David Hamilton. Well, he came back in the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade with Alex Benelis. But um, he has not been doing very good this year, only hitting 226 with a 667 OPS. One thing about David Hamilton, though, he has a lot of speed, 26 stolen bases this year. And he went four for four last night. So... David Hamilton with arguably his best game of the year. So, everyone, that is all I have for episode eight. I was feeling a certain type of way coming into this episode. That game a couple nights ago with the Blue Jays, that that got me all fired up. Uh, 
man, oh man, really fired up from Jim Bowden with some of these god-awful trade proposals. Uh, but I'm glad the Red Sox were able to pull out that last one in Toronto. That made me feel a lot better. Um, it's funny how you could lose two out of three, but if you win that last game, you feel good coming out of that series, right? Whereas if you win the first two, but then you drop the last one, yeah, it's weird. You got like a bad taste in your mouth, right? I'm glad that they were able to, they should have won a couple nights ago. And that's why I feel better about it. They should have won that game a couple of nights ago. Bullpen should have been managed better. Uh, that's just what I think. What do I know? But excited for the Cubs series. We got a nice day off today. Uh, it's exciting that we're getting into the month of July and we're going to start hearing some trade rumors. It's, it's very quiet right now because I think a lot of teams are still figuring out what they're wanting to do. So a bit of a hold on the market right now, but you're going to start seeing some rumors in the next couple of weeks. Really excited for it. Um, but yeah, everyone, that's all I have here for episode eight of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Don't forget, we are partners with Bet Online. Use the code Believe B L E A V for a fifty percent deposit match. Don't forget, we're partners with SeatGeek. Get twenty bucks off if you want to head to a game. Use my code Hide for your first purchase. And uh, don't forget, we're partners with Prize Picks as well. Use the code Ginger, and they will give you a one hundred percent deposit match. Also, everyone, uh, for those of you that are still here, for those of you that are still here, I'm not guaranteeing anything as of right now. I'm not guaranteeing anything as of right now. It's still in the works, but it looks like we might be getting close here to a co-host, a former Red Sox player. Uh, we're getting pretty close to having one. It's not, it's not finalized yet. I can't tell you who it is, and if it ends up being that guy, I think you all be pretty excited about it. Um, not done yet, so but we could be closer to getting a co-host for the show. Again, a former Red Sox player, so be on the lookout for that. Um, everyone, I'm going to get out of here. Episode 8 in the books. We have 4th of July coming up soon. I'm excited. Go have some hamburgers, some hot dogs, some apple pie, whatever the heck else you want. It's America. I love 4th of July. Um, so go have yourself a good weekend. Have yourself a good holiday. Uh, I think that's on Monday. Am I right? Is that Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. So um, I will be going live again Monday morning for episode 9 of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Also, don't forget to check out other podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network. It's growing. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good podcasts on there. I'm not just saying that to just try and, you know, advertise here. There's actually some good podcasts on there. So football, basketball, other stuff too. Go check it out. I think you'll I think you'll find something that you might like. But uh everyone, I'm gonna get out of here. Have a great rest of your day and uh, enjoy the Cubs series this weekend. Enjoy your weekend and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.